0: All right, if you would, uh, open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 10, and let's go before the Lord in prayer. And Father, now as we come before you in prayer, we ask that you would just, again, do that great and mighty work, uh, Lord, as we hear from you and the recording that you have given us, uh, the record for um, Nehemiah and the people at his time. Lord, uh, you want us to to learn so much from uh, the examples of others, both good and bad. And, uh, again, see your heart and you at work in their lives, Lord, um, that we might be assured and we might be encouraged. You're at work in our lives as well today. And so, Father, again, we ask that you would just move by your Spirit in our hearts and in our midst tonight, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Nehemiah chapter 10, and where we left off last time, Again, uh, really chapters 8 and 9, uh, you know, the people were hearing the Word of God. And we spent a lot of time talking about that, that they read uh, the law, probably the first five books, and then, you know, they, they explained the meaning of it, gave it un- they gave the people understanding. And everybody was there, everybody they could understand. So, you know, I imagine, you know, teenagers on up, and maybe even a little younger back in, in those days... Uh, were there listening to it. And they, you know, the Word of God had a great impact on them. They were, you know, decided to keep the Feast of Booths and then they gathered back again and, and uh, kept uh, the Feast uh, of, of um, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, we'd say today. Uh, you know, and while they were doing also, you know, they did the, the Passover earlier before that. And the Word of God has been read to them and they've been listening to it and they've been hearing it you know, through the feast weeks and through the time there as they're meeting in Jerusalem. And, and again, the Word of God um, had a, uh, a huge impact on the people, as it should. And then last week, chapter 9, really was, um, uh, I think it's the longest prayer in the Bible, recorded prayer in the Bible there, uh, just praying uh, after the Lord had moved through them. If they heard the Word of God and they went over their history and they confessed past sins and present sins. And, you know, at the very end, they talked about how, how terrible their condition was under the Persians and what the Persians had done and really even before them, the Babylonians, uh, you know, how, how difficult it really was. Yet, even through that difficulty, they decided to be faithful to the Lord and to the Word of God, uh, even though, again, if you read the end of chapter 9, uh, you know, verses 36 and 37, um, you know, they, they talk about how difficult things were. But they wanted to make a commitment to being faithful to the Word of God and what He had revealed through His Word. And also they wanted to be in the center of the will of God. They, they saw pretty clearly in their history what it was like when the people were in the center of God's will and, and were obeying His Word and were in fellowship with, Uh, you know, with them, and when they weren't. And it was some pretty clear black and white pictures that they could, you know, see in their history and, uh, you know, from their people gone, had gone before them, their forefathers. And I think we can relate to that because a lot of us know what our lives, remember what our lives were like when we weren't following the Lord, when we were doing our own thing, and then we came to know the Lord and doing His will and, you know, desiring to to be faithful to His Word and all that, the the complete difference. Now, it doesn't mean we didn't have any problems or difficulties or heartaches. We still had all that, but there was something completely different about it because we're new creations and we're on our way to heaven and we depend on Him and we have Him to lead us and guide us through that and encourage us and love us and help us and, and all those things through those times. And they saw that and they made that commitment. As a matter of fact, um, at the end of... Chapter 9, if you want to look at verse 38, just glance your eyes up. And it, the last verse says, And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. So after all that, and all they had heard and all they experienced and all they saw, they they wanted to put it in writing. And we talked about that as we left off last time. You know, uh, something they could have, something they could hold, something... Uh, they could remember so that they wouldn't repeat it. I, I, you know, it was just a commitment, a covenant, and you know, it was pretty common to to make covenants and commitments. Uh, obviously, in, in those times, as it is in, in uh, today's world, in a lot of ways, uh, we we don't really call them co- uh, covenants and or commitments on that. Ha- ha- you know, we have different names for them a little bit, but. Uh, you know, we would maybe call it a contract today. Although that's more of a business sense, this is more of a spiritual sense. But we still do that today. You know, making those commitments, and and I, I think that's good. They wanted to write it down, uh, again, so that it, it just it was alive, something they could have and hold and remember, and and hopefully not to repeat any of those things that have gone before that. So they basically wrote this commitment out uh, to the Lord. That they were all going to um, sign and seal, and that verse one says, "Now those who placed their seal on the document were," and then it's going to list them all the way down through verse twenty-seven. But notice the first one was Nehemiah, the governor. He was the first one to put his John Hancock, <laughs> if you would, on the document. First one to seal it. You know, he he stepped up first. Listen, I want to keep. You know, this commitment and this covenant with the Lord. We want to keep his word. We want to do what he says he wants to do. And here's the commitment we're going to make. And we'll read about it here with, with the, you know, what the commitment actually says here in a little bit. Uh, we're kind of reading the signatures and then going back and reading what they committed to. But uh, I like that fact that, you know, Nehemiah stepped up and said, you know, listen, I'm going to lead by example. And I'm going to, I'm going to sign it or put my seal on it first. Kind of like, um, you know, John Hancock did on the Declaration of Independence. You know, he, you know, if you ever seen a copy of it or ever been to Washington D.C. and seen it, you know, you seen John, Han- John Hancock's, you know, big, bold, uh, his signature is, you know, what, two or three times bigger than everybody else, maybe even bigger. Uh, he said he wanted the king to be able to read his signature without putting on his spectacles. <laughs> But if you would, in the same way, uh, you know, Nehemiah is putting his name first, and then, you know, I'm not going to read all those names, but you can see them. You know, they're the leaders, uh, are, are sort of the, the some of the uh, priests, and end of verse eight, and then uh, the leaders of the people in verse 14, and you could read all their names. So basically, you know, anybody who had any sort of authority, um, you know, whether it was you know, through the temple, through the Levitical priesthood and the Levites, or just, you know, the older people that represented the groups of people there all put their seals on this document. Again, think of it this way. They just didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to take action. You know, uh, we want to make this a big deal because it is a big deal. And the word and, and the worship they did and the confession just move the people into a commitment with the Lord. And, um, you know, it it was something that they wanted to put into action. And it wasn't just limited to these, you know, 70 some odd people that, that signed it here. Also, verse 28 says, Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nephilim, And all those who had separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, these joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord our, uh, the Lord, our Lord, and his ordinances and his statues. So again, you can just see how they were kind of like all in one heart on this, right? So not only, you know, okay, let's write it down. Let's make this commitment. Let's have something we can hold and remember and, you know, not to repeat, to look back on. And, uh, you know, they put all the, the seals and signatures, if you would, that they, that the document probably could hold. And then everybody else who could understand, also enter this commitment as well. You, you notice that, it, that's what it says in verse 28. I mean, just pretty much everybody, including, you know, the women and children, if you would, that could understand, joined in. And they said, yes, we're going to do it. And, and notice it says, you know, they're going to, you, know, uh, you know, enter into a curse you know, if uh, you know they're going to keep this oath, they're going to keep this commitment, and they're going to do what he says, and we're going to keep his word. Um, and if we don't, uh, you know, it might be kind of strange to think, okay, well, wait a minute. So the if you know if we if we drop the ball somewhere or fail in somewhere, you know, you know, don't. I guess it's easier to think of it this way. Don't think, you know, they invited some curse from God, you know, to to come down on them, you know, if they didn't obey it. Um, you know, oh Lord, you know, we want you to start, you know, throwing thunderbolts down or have the ground open up or something like that. I I, I think it's, I think if we think of it this way, something similar like, you know, when we've prayed, we, you know, we want to make a commitment or we want to, you know, Lord, I I, I want to follow you, whatever it takes, you know, I'm yours. I, I want to be yours. I want to be in the the, you know, center of your will. You know, you're not asking to be cursed if you disobey. But what you're saying is, Lord, whatever you need to do um, so that I stay following you and my heart's committed to you and, and my life is reflective of that, and committing of that, uh, whatever it takes, I want to be yours. And so, you know, I think if we think of it in those terms, which is really what they're saying is here, Lord, if I if I wander off and I head in the wrong direction, then, you know, please correct me and move me back into the place that I need to be. And I think that's a great prayer. And hopefully we've prayed that a number of times in our lives. Lord, I, I want to follow you whatever it takes. I want to be yours because there's nothing else more important. And we're essentially praying that the same kind of prayer, and I think it's a great prayer. And they, you know, again, we're doing something a little bit more tangible and physical in the sense of putting it in writing, and everybody seeing what is in writing, and everybody committing to the same thing. You know, we're kind of all in this together, and we all want to do this together, and so we're all agreeing uh, to make this commitment to be faithful to your word and to be faithful to you, and to follow you, whatever it it takes, whatever it takes. And so from verse 30 until verse 39, now is really what they said, you know, what they kind of wrote down to be their commitment. And I think it's got some great lessons for us. And so verse 30 says, um, We would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. And then verse 31 says, If the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we would forego the seventh year's produce and the, the exacting of every debt. So one of the first things they, they they said they would, you know, are they're obviously committing to God's plan and God's way, but... You know They would obey all of what's written, but one of the things they specifically said is that we're not going to mix in our relationships with those outside the faith, we'd say today. We're, we're just not going to do that. We're going to stay in with those in the family of believers, we would say, in our day and age. We're not going to mix with the, the unbelievers and, and those that live outside the faith. Uh, you know, Those that really have no concern for God and His will and His plan. As a matter of fact, I like this quote because I think it was um, uh, pretty good. And it says, uh, But if we are not married, who would deny the importance of making the same kind of covenant they made here? If you have given your life to serving Jesus Christ, isn't there going to be difficulty in if you marry someone who has given their life to something else? If we are in that situation now, God can do great things but why would we knowingly choose to be in that place from the beginning and I, I think that's great and that's really hits the nail on the head so to speak right you know um, either they're a saint or they're not or an aint as good old Javer and McGee used to say uh, uh still does because the radio show goes on, right? But, you know, either you're going to do, uh, you know, either they're going to follow the Lord and they have a heart for following the Lord or they don't and they're worshiping and following something else. The two just can't mix. They don't go together. Why would you want to, uh, you know, be married to a person who, again, is choosing their passions are something completely different in life than yours and namely the Lord? It just they just won't mix, and so they're making a commitment here. And of course, in a society where marriages were arranged, uh, for the most part, uh, you know we're we're not going to move in that direction. And again, it's 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 a step of faith because some of those those marriage um, where they would enter into it, uh, you know, w- would cause. Uh, it could be very profitable. It could be very good for your living situation. Oh, you marry into this family and you arrange this marriage, and you know, then you're connected to them and their resources, and you know, or things that they're able to do that you're not, or you know, they complement maybe you know your your farming business. They provide these things, or you know, in some sense like that. You know, you, it's it's you know, there was a lot of temptations. Uh, you know, ours is more. You know, chasing after your passions and this and that and other things, but in the same way, you know, there's making a commitment. It's just, it's just not good. It's not right. It's not going to go well for anybody. It's not going to go well for us as a people, and certainly not going to go well in the families. And so, the first thing they said is, "Listen, um, you know, we we're, we're gonna we're not going to go there." And, and there was a great temptation. Don't forget, when we went through Ezra not too long ago, that was a big deal. You know, there was some people marrying outside the faith, and they were making connections with the people of the land. And again, for their, you know, profitability or for their safety, there was a lot of motivations behind those things. And we'll even see it again uh, at the end of Nehemiah. Sadly, it'll kind of be creeping its ugly head up again. But as, as it said, it's in the old Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. That principle is still the same, you know, no matter when it is. And that's one of the things that they stay here. We're, we're not we're not going to go there. That's just off the table. It's not even an option. And it's just a great stand to make in our lives and to pass that message along as well, always. Um, beat the drum on that. So important. Well, the, the next one, right, was that we're not going to buy uh, any wares or any grain uh to, uh, we're not, if people's land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath, we're not going to buy it on the Sabbath or any kind of holy day. So now they're setting aside the temptation not to buy uh, and do business as usual on a day when they're not supposed to be having any business, when they were not supposed to be involved in any of, uh, you know, uh, normal business, normal days, activities, any of those kind of things. No, they... They were supposed to, you know, be focusing on God, having it as a day of rest. And the temptation is that people from other places, they didn't observe the Sabbath, obviously, were coming in to sell things. And, you know, the temptation was to go down and be a part of that or be involved in the commerce somehow. And basically, you know, the Lord was saying, what the people are saying here is, don't treat the Sabbath like any other day. You know, this is a day that you're supposed to, Uh, you know take time and worship me and take the day off and there's you know a number of things that's spot not supposed to be a normal day and uh, you know I kind of think of this way you know we we all know Chick-fil-a right and they they made a commitment um, uh, not to be open on Sundays and I don't know I've kind of sadly (laughs) a couple times we've gone by there and it was closed and we're like oh it's Sunday uh, uh, and you know, it's just um, we don't have one very close, and so we were away somewhere. I think a couple of times when that happened, but but again, what they were saying is that we want we'll work the six days, but the seventh day, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give our people a day off. Now, I'm sure a lot of people that own the franchises probably aren't very happy about a lot of that because, you know, they could be making money, and so. In the same kind of way, you know, it's, I think it's important that, you know, uh, there's this tendency to want to do that, to to get ahead, uh, to make more, to have more, to do more, uh, that, you know, every day just kind of rolls into the next day and you're, it's all about you and whatever you do or buy or get or you have to do these kind of things. And, you know, it's much like today. They're just... You know, everything kind of takes precedence over the Lord, just the regular day things, or there's the weekend things that take precedence. And so people find themselves, like, you know, on today's kind of uh, way of looking at it, you know, there's other things that take precedent over, you know, going to church and fellowshipping and spending time with a family. No, we got, you know, well, I, I, I can work some extra overtime and make money, or we, you know, we're involved in these activities, or we're going to, you know, uh, you know, we put our, one of the biggest things, you know, put our children to some sort of weekend activity that, you know, e- almost every weekend during the season or during, you know, a uh, you know, club where they meet, you know, is some kind of event where we have to go. And so, you know, it's just, these things just kind of roll in and roll in and, you know, have more, get better, do this, get that. And it just, you know, there's just no time for the things of the Lord. It's really more what it looks like, I think, in our day. And again, um, the Lord says, just trust me. This is what's good for you. You need to focus on these things. You need to take time for doing these things. These are important. Now, again, in our day, you know, having you know Saturday off, which would be the Sabbath, the seventh day, right? Uh, You know obviously Colossians talks about one person esteems one day above another and some people esteem every day alike and I get that but that's in the sense of that worshiping the Lord and um, but there just should be time where we just take time out from all the routine and say Lord you know we want to you know focus on you and do things that are different that aren't involving all you know about me and about getting ahead or having this or going there or putting them in this but focusing on you and and I think that's, that's an important thing to do. I still think that's got, got great revel, revel, uh, relevance in our day and age today. So, um, you know, that, that was the next thing that they said. And, and then the, the other thing, the next step of faith was, you know, they were going to walk by faith uh, and trust and not planting on the seventh year and the canceling of debts. So remember what the Lord said is six years you can plant your fields and ten your vineyards and your orchards and, you know, all these kind of things. That's great. But on the seventh year, you're to take basically a year vacation. I'll bless you enough on the sixth year so it rolls into the eighth and ninth years even. Um, and you're going to have enough uh, so that you can do that. But what the challenge was, again, like us, the six years coming, man, I made three times as much this year than I have in the, you know, in the previous five years, and if I continue on this, man, how much more can I make, right? That's, that's the thinking. That's the way we would be, how much more I can get ahead, how much more I can have. And, and they're saying, listen, we're not going to, we, we don't want to enter into that. We want to do what you said, take that time off. We want to cancel the debts, right? We, we, you know, it's not about what we're going to lose out, and, you know, we have to let workers go or let, you know, the money go. Well, we could be making money off this. We could be getting this back. No, it's all about trusting me in those areas. And, uh, you know, it's trusting me in those areas. Are you going to, you know, are you going to walk by faith? Or are you going to walk by sight? As we put it in the, in the New Testament. But that's what's really going on in a very practical sense with them. Are you going to trust the Lord and, and, and be obedient to what he calls you to do and, and walk by faith? Or are you going to be like, wow, this is good. I can get ahead, you know, and all those kind of thoughts that pop in our minds. And they're saying, no, we're not going to do that. And, and again, it's not about religious practices. It's about worship, faith, and trust. It's just a relationship that we he wants to have with us. Whether in that day or whether it's in this day, right? He just wants to have a relationship with us. And so the first two verses, you know, talk about these commitments that they're just they're going to walk in faith. They're not going to focus on themselves and what they can get and how they can, you know, get ahead somehow or be more comfortable or doing this in that way. And so, you know, we, we, we want to trust you. We want to worship you. We want to walk in faith. And now the rest of this all the way to the end of the chapter, you know, the rest of this covenant or commitment to the Lord is really all about being faithful to God when it comes to supporting God's work. And, you know, uh, much more is said about this. I find that interesting than about any other commitments. They, they really put some emphasis on here. It, it takes the lion's share, really, of of the commitments they're going to make. Kind of reminds me of that story of a you know, children that, you know, maybe you remember when you were younger, or you, you had youngins and you know, you know, in our house too. (laughs) You know, there was a toy and my son had a little toy and this was, you know, his favorite toy. And, you know, he he liked that toy. And if he set it down for a little bit and Anastasia would come over and start playing with that toy, you know, even if he wasn't touching it, the first thing would happen, right? He'd come over and wrestle out of her hand. (laughs) And maybe you had older brothers or sisters that did that to you or maybe you you did it to, to them, Right. And no, it's mine. You know, it's mine. Right. He doesn't want to, you know, let her touch or use anything that's important. And then what do the parents usually say or what do we say right, to the children? Oh, come on, just let her play with it. Right. It's no big deal. You know, uh, you know, she, she can touch it and play with it for a little bit. You weren't even using it. And so, what does the you know older brother usually say? Oh, yeah, no problem. Let me play with. No, that's not what they say, right? With well, mine, mine. They go back and they grab it and they say it's mine. It's mine. And you kind of have to rustle it out of their arms, right, to get them to, to give it up. And, and and the more you try to grab it, the the harder they pull away. And that's kind of the illustration of uh, of giving grudgingly. <laughs> You know, and that's what we're told in the New Testament not to be like, because it's a very natural response. And they understood that. And so they spent the rest of this talking about how to get rid of or how to not just be involved in that natural responses. I only have a little bit. I got to hold on to what's mine and having that selfish mind, mind, mind activity and, and being grudgingly about it. So. This is what they say in verse 32. So also we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the regular grain offerings, for the regular burn offerings of the Sabbath, the new moons, and the set feasts, for the holy things, for the sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and all the work of the house of our God. So um, again, there, this is not the tithe. This is something separate than that. This is something you know they've committed now to give to help with the expenses of what was going on, the, the regular expenses of obviously what needed to be done in the temple area. And of course, they needed to change the showbread. They had to do regular grain offerings. And you know, there was just regular things, regular expenses, what we would say today, that just happened day in and day, day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in with year out. And so everybody uh, committed, you know, to support um, the place of worship. And again, this is not the tithe. This is something in addition to that. So they said, yes, we're going to make sure that the place of worship is taken care of. We're committing to that. And then there's, 34 says, We cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for bringing wood offering into the house of our God, according to our fathers' houses, at the appointed times year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. Now, this one I think is really kind of cool. I really like this one because it's so simple. The next thing they were committing to is. To supply wood for the the, uh, the the services of the of the temple, what needed to happen in the temple, and you know, I, it made me think. You know, some people, you, you know, typically newer Christians, sometimes older Christians can kind of fall into this too. But it's like, well, I don't know what I can do. You know, I can't really do that much. I'm, I don't really know what I'm gifted in, or you know, I've I've done that so much, or you know. You know the older ones. I've already done this. I've already been through this. I already did all this, and you know. Then they just kind of, you know, well, there's not, or they, there's not much I can do, and you know, helping at the church or doing at the church. And there's always something that the Lord wants people involved in in service. Always, even if it's simply bringing wood. Yeah, and, and you know, you you just took your turn in of of you know, getting the wood and paying for it or going and chopping down the trees and cutting it up and bringing it in, whatever the case might have been for a, whatever a person decided to do, but it was a simple thing. And, you know, if there's a number of people that are just willing to serve and do the simple things, then it's amazing how much you can get done in, in, in a fellowship. And in this case, you know, it was enough to, to keep the fires burning that needed to keep burning. There's always something to do. And if you don't know what to do, start out with something very simple. You know, you, there's there's simple things to start out because everybody has something, you know, to participate in and everybody should participate in some way. You know, I, I just, I, I, I get sad when I, some years ago, you know, older, you know, Christian had been a Christian a long time and just, you know, came by the church one time and said, oh, I'm not interested in doing, you know, that serving, you know, helping out the church here, or doing that, or doing that. I've done all that for years. I'm, you know, I, I've already done all that. And I thought to myself, so when does the clock stop on, you know, serving the Lord and you've done enough and, you know, the, the, the bell dings and all of a sudden now, you know, you're, you're, you move out of serving the Lord and in any way that he sees fit at any given time. And, uh, you know, the sad thing is that we just make sure that we never, we never have that heart because there's always something, and always something he wants us to do. I, you know, I, I you know, just really like Chuck Swindoll, and um, I was listening to him on the radio the other day, and, you know, he was talking about when he left um, Fullerton and uh, the EV Free and then went back to um, Dallas Theological Seminary, and I think he was like in his 70s or something when he went over there and I think when he was in his late 70s, he was there for a number of years. I, you know, the dates are all kind of fuzzy in my mind. But then, you know, I think he was close to 80 when he started that church that he's been pastoring now in Frisco, Texas. And everybody was saying, Well, Chuck, aren't you, you know, ready to retire and move on and, and get on? He says, You know, it's the things of the Lord. I'm, you know, I'm going to serve him until he's ready to take me home. It's not a matter of how old I am or how long I've been walking with the Lord. It's just, being available to whatever he wants to use me for until he's done using me. And I thought, you know what? That's a great heart. You know, here's a guy that, you know, could have hung up his Bible, so to speak, on the wall and said, Yeah, I, I accomplished a lot, Lord, in ministering for you over the years, and even went to an overtime extended, <laughs> extended next quarter being, you know, on a Dallas Theological Seminary for a number of years. And so, you know, that's it. And no, he, I, I thought that was just really encouraging that he didn't have that heart. And sadly, all too often, you know, we can kind of think that way. And, and they're basically, you know, I like this. We have, we're ready to serve. It's a simple thing and we can continue to do that. And we want to throw our lot in on doing that as well. Again, there's always something to be done, always something the Lord wants us to do, and serving Him, even in small ways, are very important. And they're willing to do that. Because it started with the priests and the Levites to everybody else. Well, the next thing in verse 35, he says, And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle, as is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the firstfruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit of all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil, to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes tithes in all our farming communities. You know, I, I just, um, again, it's all about, you know, the heart of God, and this is all in the law of God. It wasn't just the tithe. You know, people get stuck, you know, the Old Testament, there was a tithe. There was so much more than that. And this kind of summarizes a little bit here, but, you know, there was so much more than just the tithe. And, and the call was to honor the Lord in everything. Just kind of picture that in your mind. That was the really the, the heart of the Lord here. Because you, you saw the listing of this. It was the first of this, the best of this, they're doing this, they're, when you get that, when you have this, when you get this. The idea is you know, um, you, you, we're to think of the Lord in everything because everything comes from Him. And you know, we, we're, we're to put Him first and think of Him first. It's it, it's the Lord's way of getting us out of being so selfish and self-centered because it's easy to think about me and what I need to do and what I have to do and what I, you know, want to accomplish and what I need to worry about and I need to, you know, have this here and I need to reserve that and, I, you know, and, and you know, and I get it. Some people, you know, grew up with, with probably, you know, hardly anything and sometimes it's hard for people that didn't have anything to just to let go because, you know, they feel like at any moment they might... Be back in that real bad situation. You know, I've known people over the years and, you know, you feel sorry for them because, you know, everything is so important to them because they had so little that, you know, uh, now they have to feel like it's never enough. And it kind of brings this whole stress on them. And it's just kind of sad. But the Lord says, listen, um, I, 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 all of it came from me. And I want you to think about your giving this way. Do you think of me first? Or do you think of me with the leftovers? Do you take care of everything that you want to take care of first? And they, oh, yeah, yeah, I better put some aside for the Lord. Or I better do this. Or, yeah, I better do that. You know, is it first? Is it last? It's usually one or the other. It's either first or it's last. There's not really too much in between there. And, and, and the lesson is, is they're listing all these things, and, I, and again, they're doing it on purpose so that they might remind themselves and remember, listen, what's first? Where did it all come from anyway? I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for him. And so why shouldn't I think about him first? Um, I like this verse, again, it reminds us in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the very best part of everything you produce then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And the point is abundance, right? That's the idea. It's like, you know, honor the Lord with the very best and what he's given you and don't worry about the rest because he's going to take care of you. And it's repeated so many times in scriptures how we need to be givers. And again, it's not... For the sake of those that we give it to is really the point of all that, because um, giving uh, sets our heart hearts right about material things. You know, sometimes we get caught up in, well, who am I giving it to? What are they going to do with it? And I'm not saying you should be foolish with our money, but you know, what is it? I, I need that. You know this, and, I, and you know all this kind of stuff. And a lot of times that just puts a lot of roadblocks into, you know, not doing it, and kind of gives us an excuse for not doing it. But again, it's it's really not so much about who it's going to and what it's going to do. It's about, you know, the Lord making sure our hearts are right with material things. Again, God is the greatest giver, and he's given us so much. And he wants us to be people who are givers. We should be known for people that that are givers. And again, you know, you've been around people that, you know, are pretty tight-fisted or pretty you know, as we used to say, short arms and deep pockets. They could just never quite reach their money, right? You know, they're the last one to offer to help out or to pay or to do this, and they're slow and wait for everybody else. So hopefully, you know, when the check comes around at dinner, you know, that, that, that you know, somebody else will fight over and argue, and they won't have to, you know, you've you've been around those kind of people and stuff. That's not what the Lord wants us to be. Uh, and... Again, that's the heart, and yes, it does support you know those who dedicate themselves. In this case, certainly too, as it is with the church, really full time. Uh, you know, you know, don't you know, don't forget them. That's important. You you want everything in place, and you want the place, you know, where you go to church to, to be there and be able to do the things that you want to do. But 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 again, um, again. Um, I think it's always good to do this. Just ask somebody who's faithful in giving what they have to say. You know, is is it good? Is it bad? You know, ask them what they've missed out on by, by, you know, being generous and being givers. And you know, if you ask them, they're they're the guys that always say, and gals that always say, oh, I have plenty, and the Lord's good, and I have this, and man, I got it covered, and no problem. Because, you know, they've tasted and, and seen how the Lord is good. They know that they haven't missed out on anything at all. As a matter of fact, they realize how much more blessed they are, and they have that heart. And so the people spell it out here. And again, yes, some of it was the tithe, but certainly a lot of it was a lot more than that because they just wanted to reflect that, even in very difficult situations. Again, you read chapters 9, verses 36 and 37. You know, here we are, we're servants, you know, the land you gave us to eat its fruit and its bounty and yield so much to the kings over us. And, you know, we are in great distress, So it wasn't easy for them when they were making this commitment. But yet they knew that was the right thing to do. And then finally, verses 38 and 39, "...and the priests, the descendants of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouses." For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offerings of the grain of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. And we will not neglect the house of our God. So they finish up with those who receive the tithes and gifts were to give as well. So those priests and Levites who lived off the gifts and offerings and tithes of the people, they too were called to be givers. And they were to give. And one of the other responsibilities is of what they were given, that it was distributed to everybody so that nobody lacked anything. It was another one of their their commitments here that they were going to do to make sure that, you know, the singers, and they have this role that everybody, you know, was taken care of, that nobody would lack anything. And again, you notice how much of the commitment or this covenant had to do specifically with giving. Because, again, they would struggle with the same things that we struggle. You know, uh, again, so that they could get it. They could commit it. This is what I'm gonna do. This is just gonna be something of how I live. This is how I'm gonna live my life. You know, I'm not gonna get involved with people I shouldn't be involved with. And you know, I'm gonna honor you, Lord. I'm gonna trust you with those things. And I'm gonna, you know, it's just, this is part of who I am now. I want this to be part of who I am now. And that's what they're doing. Just remember this, how they made and spent their money was very important. Uh, it, it, you know, not making more and putting that ahead of faithfulness to the Lord in worship and times and effort and all that, you know, and or you get so distracted and so involved in that that, you know, you're just too tired. Oh, Sunday morning comes around, I just can't make it to church. I'm just too tired from working so hard and doing this and doing that. And the things of God take a hit in people's life. And, 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 and what they're saying is, you know, Maybe look at it this way. If we make money just like the world and spend our money just like the world, how are we any different as Christians? You know, if we're just doing what everybody else is doing and living like everybody else is living, how are we any different than anybody else? What makes us Christians in that whole area? And so it's always good to take stock and evaluation of our lives, uh, uh, you know, what what we're actually doing here. And again, uh, I think it's good to make commitments to be faithful to the things of the Lord. Not that we get a a better standing with the things of the Lord. Not that we get a sure place of salvation. It has nothing to do with that. But I think, you know, in writing this all out and putting this all down, is I just wanted to say, Lord, this is my heart. And I want to stay on track. And I want you to help me to you know, keep the commitment and, and, and do what needs to be done so that I stay faithful in what I need to be faithful in serving and living for you. And again, uh, it's not about doing this to be more spiritual or looking down on others, but just I want to be faithful in every area of my life, Lord, to what you want to do and what you want to do in me and through me. And I want to reflect you in everything that I am in every area, and there's not an area where I, you know, I, I say, well, that's kind of my area, and you have all the rest of the areas, but I have my area, or you have this part. No, we we, we want to be open to do and be in the center of your will and be faithful to live. Have you called us to live and enjoy all the blessings that you have for us and to be faithful in those areas because we know at the end that's what we're all longing for. That's what we're all, all desiring to be. Is in the center of your will, Lord, and I know if I put these things in place, it just helps me to keep that faithfulness and that commitment, and it becomes, you know, something that is part of me. And I think that was a great, great thing that they were doing, as now the walls were built, and you know that was taken care of, and now they're taken care of. As we said a few weeks back, the. It, internal things working on their hearts now and living Uh, there's not this imminent physical threat to them now they just they want to get everything in the temple going right where they should and the worship of God and their hearts right in tune with all that he wants to do with them now they're established as a a city and a nation again and we'll see that continue next week into chapter 11 um, when they're bringing people back into the city but We'll finish it off there today and call it a night and pick it up again next time in chapter 11. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time and for your word, Lord. And we thank you for your love and your faithfulness. And you always want us to reflect that in our lives as well. Help us to do that, Lord. You know the hindrances we have, and we know the pressures we feel, and the you know, uh, unsurety of things and, you know, sometimes our circumstances and we just feel, we you know, we've got to take care of these things and uh, we can't really open and and our hearts and trust you and maybe in a way that we, we know we should. And you know what obstacles are in our lives, Lord, and what situations are there. And, and I pray that you would just continue to always draw us close to you because it's really our heart that you want. And, uh, and if truly that's what we have to offer to you then there's no area in our lives where we don't want to be faithful in um, and so lord help us in, in that and lord we we want to be those that you know maybe we're not going to write it down and fix a seal but we want to make that commitment to you that we're faithful in, in all that we do that we might shine brightly for you in these last days as as the curtain of time and of this world and this system and And everything here on planet Earth kind of winds down, Lord, to what you have next. Uh, We do want to shine brightly in these days, Lord, um, that many might come to know you and come to experience all your love and your forgiveness and all that you want to do in their lives because they see how great you're working in ours. And so, Lord, uh, we want to be those people, Lord and and we know that you will strengthen us in it and uh, because you truly give us your holy spirit when we you know receive you by faith and we've accepted that gift that Jesus died for us on the cross and we receive that free gift of salvation that you you come to dwell in us that we you might lead us each day in each hour of each day in each minute of each hour lord uh, to be closer to you and to be more like you and to be more in the center of all that you have for us, Lord. Help us just to have open and willing hearts. For we ask this in Jesus' name.